0: Apostle Paul gets saved, and he's about to take the gospel around the world. And how many know, we're looking back 2,000 years. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you, you know, you can be critical and think, well, you know, didn't they know? Well, we're looking back 2,000 years. They didn't know. What they had was faith to look forward. And God blessed, and here we are, a byproduct of the gospel to the Gentiles. If you're a Jew, God came to you a long time ago, right? But it came to us just two thousand years ago. Is anybody here glad to be saved? I don't know about you, but I'm glad He grafted me into the vine. I'm glad that He made me His. I am my beloved, and He is mine. And His banner over me is love. Right. So we love the Lord this morning. I want to talk a little while. Uh, We welcome all of you. Then I want to talk a little bit about about Moses and the pathway to worship. Lesson number five. I want to talk about worship because. Because we love the Lord, don't we? And uh, those who love the Lord are are trusting the Lord, serving the Lord. How many of you have ever heard that term? I serve the Lord. Joshua said, "As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord." So, so how many heard the term "serve the Lord with gladness"? That I've been in some churches where it doesn't look like any of them are glad. This doesn't say "serve the Lord with sadness." It says, serve the Lord with gladness. I believe God has a plan for your life. I believe God's a calling on your life, a destiny for your future. And I believe God has good things planned for his people. So it's a a blessing. Uh, I don't know why you came to worship today. Somebody might have made you. Uh, Maybe you were forced to be here. I'm here because I want to be here. I want to be in the Lord's presence. Uh, He's been good to me. Next year, I celebrate, uh, I mean, next month, not next year. Next month, I celebrate 40 years married to Melissa, 41 years married to Jesus. I don't know how long you've been serving the Lord, but, um, but I missed 18 years of opportunity to know the Lord the way I know him now. And when I first met him, how uh, I many know when you first meet the Lord, it's very exciting. But if you're still with him 40 years later, you know it's a whole nother level. It's an H-N-L. A whole nother level. Oh, you got to be from the hood to get that one, but you don't know. Y'all ain't from the hood. So, the Lord bless you. Today, we're going to talk about communicating, talking to God. That's been our series since we stopped Acts. We picked up this mini series on talking to God. The reason being, we have a lot of people who are dull of hearing. A lot of people love God, they just can't hear. For some reason or another, their hearing has been affected. If you have uh, been Ever been hearing impaired? I uh, I blamed it on Chris Forrester. He shot a shotgun in my right ear, it, it, him or Connor, one of them, in a deer stand. And so, if I can hardly hear you, it's their fault. Okay. We did kill a deer. I mean, we did kill a turkey. It was a turkey. Um, but I was just mesmerized by a little turkey call. Squeaky, 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 Squeaky. squeaky. And here comes the turkey. Go, 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 boom! Dead. It was a blast. It was a blast. It was either that or on the missions trip with Leslie. We were in Dominican Republic, and they had the, the music was turned up like 10 octaves higher than it ought to been. And uh, I'm praying for the people in the front, the speakers right there. And um, when I thought it couldn't get any higher and louder, I just want you to know it can. And it did. So those are the reasons. But for whatever reason you might be hearing impaired, God by the Holy Ghost can help you hear on the inside when you can't hear on the outside. For whatever reason, your vision has been impaired. If You have vision that's impaired. It's tough. It's hard. But for whatever reason, you can't see on the outside. How many believe God can show you on the inside some things? That's called revelation. God speaks. He speaks to your spirit, and you can see some things in the spirit. And I hope that Moses' life, it was such a powerful. Didn't we have a great time last Sunday? My God goodness it was powerful and you responded the reason it was powerful is because god's always here but when you show up and meet with god how many know great things can happen and that's what happened last sunday i hope you uh at the end of this service will feel the same way about getting into the presence of the lord because when you're in his presence anything's possible amen so we're going to talk about the pathway of worship and Moses has been a real blessing to me in this series. He taught me a lot about talking with God, listening to God. And um, I'll tell you, he's not, uh, he's not anywhere close to Charlton Heston, but he's pretty awesome. And some of you don't even know who that is. but uh, It was a joke. Uh, a great man indeed. And we can learn a lot from his life. It spanned 120 years. Moses' life spanned 120 years. And uh, after 80 years, he met God at the burning bush. And that's where we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 today. That, us uh, this morning we were looking, wonder what a burning bush was. I looked it up, and a burning bush in the wilderness, they said it was like a cedar. And so this is a modern-day cedar in the, in the Middle East right now. Some people believe it was a burning bush. It looked like a burning tree to me. So I don't know if it was some insignificant fire. I mean, when you see a fire, the bigger the blaze, the more the amaze. The bigger the blaze, the more you're amazed, right? And so this looks like a big old burning tree bush, uh, cedar. Others have different opinions. It doesn't really matter. It's the one who was in the bush. I said it wasn't the bush. It's who was in the bush. God, it was a theophany. A theophany is a manifestation of the presence of God in the Old Testament. A Christophany is a manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament or in the Bible. So this... Uh, bush was consumed with fire, as Moses was watching, uh, The but the bush was not being consumed. It was on fire, but not being consumed. Are you with me? So if you know anything about fire, Mike, you know about fire, a little oxygen, it's, uh, it's going to take anything and everything. If you looked at Hawaii and the horrendous tragedy of the Hawaiian Islands, it just took everything, everything in its path, but not this bush. Are y'all with me? Because Nothing can take the place that God is. If God's in the place, I mean, nothing is going to, by any means, get by God. In other words, God created fire, so fire can't affect God. God affects fire. It's like Chuck Norris. Y'all don't know him either. Let me just preach, because y'all don't know anybody today. Exodus 3, 1 through 12, pretty powerful. Moses is going to teach us a little bit. His life was divided into three sections of 40 years each. The first 40 years was preparation. He Remember last week we talked about Jacobed putting him in the Nile in a little uh, baby raft. And whoop, he goes over to the son of Pharaoh, uh, the daughter of Pharaoh, picks him up. Uh, Jacobed was able to nurse him. and um, And so here God was so good in that situation. What she thought she was losing, she gave to God, and God returned it. I mean, oh, if you think you're losing something, give it over to God. I mean, oh, God will return it right back to you and better than you gave it away. The second 40 years was isolation. Uh, That's why uh, he came. He was torn. I don't know if you've ever been there, like torn between two people. Uh, And Moses took at least 80 years to find out not only who God was, but to who he was. So he's he's a Hebrew slave in an Egyptian palace. I mean, oh, that's a conflict of interest. He's not there with his people, and he's not with these people. He's like, he's not here, nor is he there. He's just kind of in a place, halfway here and halfway there. Anybody been there? And so he comes out, and he sees an Egyptian uh, herding a slave, a Hebrew slave, and he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand uh, so nobody can find out because of the affliction going on at his insides. Can I tell you, I'm a citizen of two places. I wish I could get some help preaching today. I said, I'm a stranger in a strange land. I am born again, so I'm a born of a new place, a, a, a eternal place, and I am born here, so I'm a person in this place. But how I many know oh, I need to know who I really am? Just because I live here doesn't mean I have to abide here. I can live. I know who I am. And then when I'm with him, how I many know oh, I'm in a whole nother level? I'm with him. So Moses was conflicted. He kills the Egyptian, buries him. The next day he comes out, sees two Hebrew slaves fighting. He said, what are you doing? That's your brother. And the guy said, hey, uh, wh- what do you know? You killed the Egyptian yesterday. I saw that. So Moses gets a little freaked out, and he says, oh, my, if they know, maybe Pharaoh will know. And then he becomes a fugitive, and he goes into isolation for 40 years on the backside of the Midian Desert. He meets Jethro. He finds a wife, and the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Only one man said amen. I don't know what the rest of you found, but how I many know oh, he who finds a wife, the Bible says, finds a good thing. Here's the rest of you. So he comes out of isolation after 40 years. That's where we meet him. He's 80 years old. Uh, his third 40 years is validation. So he's 80 before he ever even gets into the destiny God's planned for him. Just to, something to think about. But my prayer is that you will see this invisible God in the bush and know who he is. Know him. How do you know him? Well, you spend time with him. Our whole series, we've been talking about talking to God. One of the ways to talk to God is through praise and worship. You can get your worship on. How many is ready to get your worship on today? Moses, you know, he he was trying and he's trying to help us today to find out what it means. But here is where God calls Moses out so he can bring him in. God always calls you out of something so he can bring you into something. And I got to tell you today, what he's about to bring you into is greater than what he's called you out of. I said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Pulling you out of Egypt. Now he's going to take 40 more years to pull Egypt out of him. And that's where the church is a lot. So it's in his presence He's calling him into his presence. and calling him into his calling, his destiny, the plan that he has. So we can learn the lesson of worship from the life of Moses. That's my intro. First of all, his life was designed by God. I want you to know, in the first 80 years, the first 80 years, not one day was lost in Moses' life. How I many saw God sovereignly take him as a baby and as Jacob had put him in there? I mean, know oh, God ordered those steps? Now, when you're born, you don't have control about who you're born to or where you're born. You're just born. So if you didn't like Louisiana, get over it. If you don't like Missouri, get over it. If you don't like Texas, well, everything good came out of Texas. Amen. Well, if you don't like it, you can't do nothing about it, right? You were born where you were born. You can't do nothing about it. In fact, you would die where you die, and you can't do nothing about that either. God controls everything, doesn't he? So you can kick and scream, I just embraced being a born-again Cajun. Took me a while to do that because I've seen some born-again Cajuns didn't seem to be born again. But, but God designed my past. So for you to be uh, look at your past and, and, uh, and act like God uh, didn't allow things to, to happen. I mean, a no sovereign God allows everything. He didn't mean it for happen. I mean, no, Satan meant it for evil. But God used it for his glory. So the first 40 years of preparation leads him to the second 40 years of isolation, which is going to take him somewhere. But every experience challenged Moses to learn how to worship Yahweh, every one of them. And I believe today that whatever you're going through, I believe God's going to use your past, every part of your life, to prepare for you and what he's doing. Uh, Moses' life was also defined by God, a life of perseverance, overcoming, a life uh, uh, requiring an intense pattern of how to find God and get in his presence. I don't know what your pursuit is, but worship to me is a practical pursuit of a holy God. You pursue God. Now, I know God pursued all of us. How many glad that God searched and found you? Come on now. He said, you didn't find me. I found you. I called you. I redeemed you. I selected you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. You didn't choose yourself. I mean, oh, God chose you. As with Moses. It's awful quiet in this church. Is it too cold? I'll put on the heater if it makes you warm up. It requires an intense pattern of communication. If you're going to know God, you're going to learn how to talk to God how to listen to God, how to respond to God, how to trust the Lord. Amen? So this is where we find ourselves. Worship has a purpose. And Moses found his destiny in the person and in the presence of Almighty God. So so I want to read Exodus 3 first, and then we'll go to Exodus 33. But somebody just shout amen so I know you're alive. So, So somebody said it best when they said Moses spent his first 40 years Learning to be somebody, the next 40 years learning to be nobody, and the last 40 years learning that God can take a nobody and make him a somebody. That's what God can do. And so it was in this second period of isolation uh, where he's quietly leading the sheep that he met with God at the burning bush. And I want to learn something from Moses. How about you? All right. So, a talking bush. Let's check it out. It's pretty intense. (laughs) All right. So, Moses was tending the flock. Chapter three, and uh, and he was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And at the angel, of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, "I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn?" So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, to look, this caught God's attention, God called to Moses uh, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, how many of your parents had to tell your name twice before you came? This is it, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. That's a command. Don't come near me. Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Moreover he said I am the God of your father the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God And the Lord said surely I have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt I have heard their cry because they're, they're taskmasters for I know I know their sorrows So I have come down here to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up from the land to a good and large land a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Termites. It's a lot of ites. I just want to tell you that, that God has a plan for your life. And and, and wherever you go, you're going to meet um, Egyptians. And we already talked about it last week, with all the plagues, 12 gods, or ten, at least ten gods of Egypt, and we talked about the lice and the frogs and and the swarm of locusts and all these different things, and uh, the river was a god, everything was a god, right, polytheistic, And, uh, and so God's still working on Moses because, listen, when you leave the Egyptians, how many know you're going to Canaan, and it's worse in Canaan land than it was in Egyptian land. The number of gods in Canaan land way outnumber the gods in Egypt. So, so what he wants them to learn is how to worship the one true God. I mean no, there's only one, his name is God. He is he is God Almighty. El Shaddai, right? He is the one and the only. So it's serious. God is going to help Moses teach the people of God how to worship the one true God. And I think that we're living in a day today in culture in our churches where we're taking this idea that there's many ways to heaven. You can find all kinds of gods to worship, and at the end, you'll end up with God. I mean, no, there's only one name under heaven whereby a man can be saved. Do you believe that? There's only one way. Well, pastor, that's kind of uh, closed-minded, narrow-minded. It's not really open. It's not really, uh, it's not uh, very kind and friendly to say that your God is the only God. Listen. Even if he's not my God, he's still the only God. It doesn't matter. And how many know one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So he was really trying to get Moses to learn not to be afraid of God. Don't be afraid of God. Come into his presence. And so here we find a place to learn. And my prayer is that you will learn to know God as a person. Right now, invisible God. But one day, how many know we're going to see him face to face as Moses did? Anybody here believe God is real? He is real. He's the everlasting Father, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the author and the finisher of our race. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the Creator, the Comforter. He's the Counselor. He is the Great Physician and the God of all grace. Is anybody getting this? His name is I Am. He's going to tell Moses in just a little bit. I was, I am, and I will be. He is all of the above. That's who he is. He's the God of Israel. He's Yahweh. He's Elohim. He's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah. He's Adonai. He's the Most High God. He's the Living God. And there is no other God. How many know he is the only one? And you will worship the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what he was saying. And every Jew knows. When you worship God, every day, three times a day, they would say, the Lord our God is one God. Serve the Lord, serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Two and three times a day, every little boy, Jewish boy, would say, every Jew knew, there's only one God in this land. Do not become friendly with the gods of the Egyptians or the gods of the Canaanites. Worship Yahweh. And so, every other God is dead. How many know our God is alive? He's the way maker, the mediator. He's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He's our prophet. He's our priest. He's our king. He's our redeemer, our refuge, our rock, our ruler of heaven and earth. And friend, he is our friend. Moses talked to him as a person talks face to face with a friend. You don't have to be afraid of God this morning. Is anybody getting this yet? You can come and draw near to God in worship. So it's kind of a scary, intimidating thing. When you see the mountain and you see thunderous lightning, or you see a tree that is on fire, but nothing's happening, what's going on here? Kind of intimidating because it's from another world. Because over here in this world, if that tree catches on fire, it's ashes. And that's it. Are you hearing me? So God's calling us to friends, not slaves. We can know him. He is calling us out, to call us in to worship. And so here's the deal. Your assignment, your calling, he tells him, <laughs> he tells him, hey, you're going to go and you're going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So it seems like it seems like a backwards message. This should have been last week and this week. But how I many know oh, God knows exactly what he's doing? We talked about talking to God in the conversation last week with God and Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was a type of Satan trying to hinder us from hearing the voice of God. Are you all hearing? But today we're trying to tell you how to come into the presence of God because God called Moses there. Moses felt inadequate. Moses felt uh, uh, unable to do anything like that. He had a speech impediment. How many of you got any impediments? Any issues? Turn to your neighbor and say, you know he have issues. All of us have issues. you got issues. We all have issues. I don't have issues, but you have more issues than I have, but I have issues. Tell him that. So he pulls them to the exodus. He called them out of Egypt. That's why it's called the exodus, away from the gods of Egypt, called out to worship Yahweh, the one and only God. He said, why do you want to leave? Pharaoh said, why do you want to leave? He said, God told us he's calling us out of here to worship him. So, if you need one reason, that's it. God called you to serve him. Jesus said, I came to serve and not be served. How many know if Jesus said that? How many know we ought to be serving the Lord? And one of the ways we serve the Lord is with our worship, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And Jesus uh, made it even more. He said, And with all of your mind, he added mind, even your psyche, your soul begins to worship. How many worshipers are in this house? A couple of them. I got to say this because we live in a day in church where worship is like all, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of work. We went old school today in worship selection of songs. Can I tell you, the selection of your songs you sing is not worship. That's not worship. That's worship songs. In fact, the greater the song in communication to God, the greater the presence of the Lord. I mean, if you're just sitting around breathing, I don't want to hear you breathe. I want to hear what you're saying to God. How I many know your words matter? Life and death is in the power of your tongue. You look up to God, tell Him, He's the only one. See if He don't show up. He said, Where two or three are gathered in my name, that's where I'll be. That's worship. It's not the, it's not the place. It's not the procedure of worship. It's the person. It's the presence of the Lord that we are are calling on. And so in that polytheistic, idolatrous worship where gods were all around him, God meets Moses at the burning bush and gives him his assignment. And we're going into the wilderness for one reason. That is to worship God. I have to tell you, the greatest thing in Moses' life happened after he turned 80 years old. Rescued as a child, raised as a Hebrew, in an Egyptian palace, murdered, became a fugitive, a vagabond, fled to the wasteland, became a shepherd where he led stinky sheep. Not you. You smell well. But Moses' sheep, wow. Those Israelites, but they gave him a hard time. Pastor Moses just wanted to give up. They were something else. Why? Because they wanted to go back to Egypt. How many glad we are going somewhere else besides Egypt? Is anybody here glad? The reason we've existed as long as we have Oak Grove is because we're after Yahweh. There's nothing back in the world for me, for you. Lots of churches today that will build you a little golden calf and you can dance all day around. it, But this is not one of them. Hallelujah. So. I don't mind tending sheep on a barren mountainside, but I don't want to do it without the Lord. Moses was very lonely, and so here we go. He endured and experienced, wow, all kinds of things, but uh, nothing Moses encountered, endured, or experienced was lost with God. No waste. It was all worship. Amen? It happens by accident. God somehow uses every part of his life. Now nah, I think it was on purpose, don't you? God uses this to accomplish his plan, and the best 40 years was coming ahead. He is going to liberate the people of God from slavery. What is your calling? Have you been in the Lord's presence long enough to find out your destiny? And it doesn't matter what you do for a living. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, all of us are called to rescue the, the perishing. I said all of us are called and commissioned to speak life to a dead culture. Man, this is a dead culture if there ever was one. You look at the TV, and you can see death every day. And if we don't hurry up and get them, how many know they're going to die and spend an eternity without God? How about that for a commission? So basically, to teach us how to worship, know this. Your life is designed by God for a purpose. It's defined by God. Uh, Your past doesn't define you. God's purpose and plans define. So for Moses, it was a life of perseverance and overcoming. It required all kinds of things. But Moses had to meet with God regularly, and that's why I want to go to Exodus 33. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. 7 through 11, Moses took his tent, and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. I thought that was pretty unique. Uh, This is me. This is me. I mean, no, you got to sometimes get yourself away from everyone and everybody to get revelation from the Lord. You're too close to all the noise. You're too close to all the clamoring, all the stuff going on, all the busyness. You got to get away far from the camp. And he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone, everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp, all of them. So it was whenever Moses went in uh, uh, to the tabernacle, out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose up. Each man stood in his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. So let me try to get you the picture. There's 144,000, I guess, of them. I don't know how many. There's millions of them. But they had 12 12 tribes, right? 12 tribes. Each tribe, 12 tribes, uh, surrounded the tabernacle. Four in the front, four on the east, four on the south, and the north, and and four tribes on the west. Are you feeling it? Are you seeing it? And they all surrounded the place, all of them. And whenever Moses would go in, they would come to the door of their tent, you know, I don't know, have zippers, whatever they did, the doorknob, however they did it. It was where they lived, their dwelling, their place where they stayed, their place. And they watched Moses go into the presence of the Lord. Are you seeing that? It was something they wanted. Remember, they asked for that. You go talk to God on our behalf. We're scared of God. We don't want to answer to God. We're afraid of God. Are you seeing that? And so it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended, that was over them, descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. When's the last time you talked with Jesus? When's the last time you really had a, a real heart-to-heart with God? I asked my pastor one time, Bobby Wilson, been my pastor for 30 years, and, uh, but it was all on the phone all on the telephone. He was in Praise Assembly of God in Pueblo, Colorado. Mentored me, was my father in the faith, on the telephone. In 30 years, we only spent one hour together in person at dinner when he came to speak here. And so I called him one day. I said, Pastor, how can we have what we have? I love him so much. Loved him. He's with the Lord now. Died two years ago. So how can we have all this love uh, between us, and we never had lunch? But one time, dinner, and he has this deep Pentecostal voice. He said, oh, Ron, that's easy. You love Jesus, don't you? I said, oh, yes, sir, I love you. How many of you love Jesus? He said, well, that's good. He said, when's the last time you had lunch with Jesus? I was like, at Arby's? Cap- Captain D's? Me and Jesus? No, we've never had lunch. Together, like physically. And this is what he said. He said, Ron, we have what we have because you don't have to be with me to be with me. He said, we covenanted something in our hearts. I said yes to being your spiritual father, and you said yes to being my spiritual son. That was it. We made a covenant in our heart. Can I tell you, that's what happened when you're born again. I don't have to see God. Not to visibly see God to know that God exists how many know he is in our children we tell them where is you? where is Jesus I, Jesus is in my heart, he's in my heart well it's not like a little baby Jesus came and opened up surgery and lived in their little heart y'all do get that right okay but it's a way of telling kids where he lives where he abides in my soul in my inner being right in my spirit man and so so God's trying to teach us how to communicate with the Lord and speak to God and be face to face with God and Moses was face to face as a man speaks with a friend. Moses was drawn to God, walked with God. And so when we go back to Exodus 3, I want to look at why is God calling us to this life of worship? Because as I get older, the more tired I get of of shallow worship. Shallow church. Feel good church. I'm not here Today, for me to feel good, I'm here today for me to feel God. Are y'all hearing that? It doesn't matter if I feel good today, I came to feel God today. I want to have Him, I don't have to be in church to feel Him. I get that. You can be in the middle of the Midian desert and see and feel and hear from God. You can be in the 40 years of isolation and God can show up with your destiny and your plan. And so, Worship is not about reciting rituals or programs that have no relevance. Worship is a practical pursuit of God. So, so I want us to just take quickly a couple of things. Look what happened. The people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshiped, each man at his tent door. Are you seeing that? So the Lord spoke to Moses face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp by his uh, But his servants Joshua, I love this, his, his mentee, if you please who watched Moses talk and listen to God, said, I'm not leaving this place. A young man did not depart from the town. And that's why God was able to use him. It's a practical pursuit of a holy God. And when I'm in his presence, I come to know the one I am with. You can be with God. You don't have to have dinner. The disciples had dinner with Jesus. We don't have that privilege. We are in the spirit age. Are you hearing me? I said, "This is the age of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just with you at the tabernacle; He is in you. How much closer can God be than in your spirit?" And so it was His presence. God called Moses to something greater than watching sheep. David discovered that too. David blows my mind. David was like a a warrior and a worshipper. Uh, David was a worshiping warrior. That sounds like a <laughs> Oxymoron, doesn't it? Sounds like, sounds like, how can I be sense enough, sensitive enough to worship, and powerful enough to kill a giant? Because he learned how to talk to God under the tree in preparation. Are you hearing that? So Moses also found his deliverance in worship. God gives us revelation. So many times David, when he had to face it, he would talk to God. It often says like this: that so David inquired of the Lord. He didn't do anything where he didn't talk to God about it. Same with Abraham. Same with Hannah. Same with David. Same with anybody God used. They all talked to God. Don't do anything. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything until you inquire of the Lord. Listen to the Lord. There's lots of voices out there. So worship is not a mystical celebration with gold dust and make-believe experiences to make you some guru. You're not the professional. Can I tell you, in some churches, a lot of leaders and preachers and pastors have become professionals, professionals. May God deliver me from professionalism. When it comes to professionalism, it seems like to me that's a pharisaical, hierarchical, kind of positional righteousness. But Let me know, the Lord, the Messiah came, and they missed him. Because it was so caught up in their position, they forgot the person of Jesus. I know a lot of preachers who are so caught up in the ministry, they forget to minister to God. And Moses wasn't like that. It was very practical for him, it was very personal and very purposeful. So Moses teaches us to process. And this is the last thing. We only got 10 minutes left the process of worship. Moses turned aside to see this bush that was burning. That was the first clue. Number one, listen to me. I know it's the last point, but i got to tell you. Before God ever comes drawing near to you, he's going to notice whether you want to be with him. Your desire will lead to your direction. God wants you to pursue him. I said God wants you to pursue him. You ever heard of seek the Lord? Seek the Lord while he might be found? It's not hide and seek. God's not trying to sneak around. I tricked you. Try again tomorrow. You won't find me. God's not a genie. He's not in a lamp. You rub it three times, get a request. I mean, no, he's a very personal, practical, purposeful God, and he wants to be with you. not hiding out. Is anybody getting that? He wants to to give you his, his destiny for your life, his plan, and we not only find out who he is, many times we find out who we are. I'll tell you, some of you had an upbringing that might not have been the best, some dysfunction or whatever, and maybe you've allowed a past his situation to hinder you from a personal situation with God. Can't find a way to break through to real true intimacy because you had a false intimacy. Are you hearing me? Misused, abused, whatever. And so when I get in his presence, I come to know the one I'm with. He had to meet with God, spend a lot of time with God. And it was holy ground in order to be called to something greater. And so you must spend time with the Lord who knows you, and you'll get to know him. And not only can you discover your destiny, but you can find deliverance, right? In the burning bush, God gives revelation. He told Moses that he heard the people's cry, and he wants to send them, send him to them. So God can call you. He can deliver you. In fact, when he delivers you, most of the time he delivers the people closest to you. I mean know when you get deliverance, it affects everybody around you. God delivered Moses he delivered all of them right and so uh, so God in you uses you if you can get through get it through you to reach around you. It's not some mystical experience so you got to discover who you were created for and to be an instrument of worship useful for the master. It's a place of worship wasn't so significant but but uh, it was the, uh, the Mount Horeb, which, you know, later was Mount Sinai, where he gave the law. But God's purpose for Moses was not only to free Egypt, but to be the law, the, the, the uh, freedom giver and the law giver. Right. Deliver the people and give the law. That was his plan. And so so on the mountain of God is a place that God put him in worship where he was able to speak to him, where he can reveal to him what he was doing. Remember when Elijah was on Mount Carmel, another mountaintop experience? The prophets of Baal were shouting to get attention of Baal. I mean, no, Baal is not real. What is Baal? Baal is a fertility god they made up to make money. It's a lie. And they put a a shrine. And he said, if you'll you'll speak to the shrine, speak to Baal, you'll have fertility. You'll be able to have birth and have a child. I mean, no, it was a lie. And so what happened? Elijah was on the mountain 450, uh, 850 prophets of Baal, and they were calling out to their God, first kings 18. Elijah got a little a little confident, a little a little uh I don't know, he was in a battle, so he said, uh, "Go ahead and get louder. Maybe Baal is um not hearing you. Get a little louder, Baal Baal should be able to hear you if you get a little louder, maybe." Oh, uh, maybe he's daydreaming. Maybe he's in a trance, or maybe he had to go relieve himself. Read the Bible; it's really real. That's what the Bible says. Maybe Baal went on on vacation. Maybe he's asleep, and he's mocking these people. And I, I don't mean to mock anybody, but how I many you know you can talk to a dead god all day long? They're not going to have any response to you. But our God's not dead. I wish somebody'd help me in this place. Our God's alive. And Elijah, after they did all of that, cut themselves and jumped and clapped and yelled and screamed and hollered. Elijah said, Father God, and God answered just that fast. You know why? God hears. God is alive. And God responds, and fire came immediately. That's our God. I don't know, maybe you're reading these stories and you you think they're all made up. This is real. Baal is dead. For well, that moment, listen, Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. They're all dead. Elvis Presley's dead. But how many know King Jesus is alive? He speaks. Listen, I'm not afraid of music. God bless old Elvis. But when I'm in a bind, I don't call on Elvis Presley. Thank God for Graceland. But I need a greater grace than Graceland. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't avoid God's presence. So don't be afraid. Like Jonah, who ran. Even if you say, go to Nineveh, go. Go. There you'll find your destiny. But if you're not careful, you might have something in your spirit against the Ninevites. Or the Canaanites. Or the Egyptians. I mean, it's not about them. It's about you and God. I mean, know, oh, God can save the Ninevites if He can just get Jonah to go. It's about listening. There is a place of worship. It's not just a mountain or a tabernacle or a temple or a church. It's an encounter at the burning bush, where God speaks. He responds. He turns toward Moses, and that's the process. When Moses turned his side to see this bush, theophany. Moses is turning from ministry for God to ministry to God. There's something spectacular about that. And God always meets us when we turn toward him. The Bible says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. How many believe that? And so so he turned. That's the process. Secondly, he waited and he listened for the voice of God. God called him by name, Moses, Moses. In case you missed the first one, Moses. Hey, Moses. If God calls your name twice, you need to be, like, perking up. My daddy said, it like, this. if I have to call your name one more time. My little old feet took off. Pew. Aye, aye, sir. So, I'm not afraid of God, but I do fear God. Can you say amen? All right, so. Moses, listen, God called him, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. But God said, don't you come near to me. First, you must first take off your shoes. Don't come near. Take off your sandals for this right here. This is holy ground. Now you're coming on my turf. And When you come on my turf, you do things my way. So I want you to strip yourselves of everything you relied on. I want you to strip yourself of all that stuff you had on the journey on the way over here. In that culture, taking your shoes off was a sign of respect. When you come into God's presence and worship him, how many know you don't come in with arrogance? You don't come in with sin. You don't come in with a haughty spirit. You don't come in and tell him what he's going to do. You bow before the presence of a holy God. Are y'all hearing me? And so there's two reasons, two reasons. Personal instructions are coming, but take off your shoes. It's a sign. Personal instructions are coming. And so the first reason was to rid ourselves of things we picked up on the journey. Can I tell you, in serving the Lord, you can pick up a lot of stuff between Sundays. You can Pick up a lot of stuff. You can pick up some hurts. You can pick up some pains. You can pick up resentment. Pick up the flesh and the sin and the weight. Some things that easily beset us, easily stop us from being able to communicate with God. And also, you, it, it, having sandals on was a, a sign of dependence. You're standing. It's what you're standing on. I asked you this morning, what are you standing on? that you rely on so much that you don't even need God. God said, take off your shoes. If you're going to have intimacy and worship with God, you have to come in with your shoes off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Standing on him alone, barefooted before the Lord. Nothing that stinks, nothing that stains, no strutting in his presence, no arrogance. Are y'all hearing me? Walk in his power, not your own. Take off your shoes means strip yourself of self-worship and become tender before God. And without shoes on, we walk more carefully, don't we? I have tender little feet. I don't know if your teeth, You know, you might have, you know, big old, I don't know what your feet look like. I don't even want to look at them. I will wash them if the Lord makes me. But old callous toes, you know. You can walk on nails, it wouldn't even bother you. I got a little tenderfeet when I'm walking. I'm like, even at the beach, you know, I want sand. Pre- bring in a boatload of sand. I do not like these rocks. Tenderfooted. It talks about the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. When you're barefooted, you don't just nonchalant walk in, not concerned about all the issues. And, and maybe even people around you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, you're aware of your of his presence and also uh, other people. You don't step into wrong things or wrong places into wrong stuff, right? You got to watch how you treat people. And when I'm barefooted, I watch how I treat people. I'm more sensitive to my surroundings. I watch my walk. I watch my talk. I watch my vision. I'm watching where I'm walking. Are y'all hearing any of this? So God created your territory to walk on, to stand on. It's holy ground. And the steps of the righteous, I believe, are ordered by the Lord. Do you believe that? Hey, Moses, take your shoes off for the place you're standing is holy. I want y'all to stand with me this morning. Chrissy, you guys can come back. We got 10 minutes. When you're worshiping the Lord, it's a safe place. When you're in your His presence, how many know you're standing on His security? He makes you adequate, He gives you an assignment, He gives you the ability, He gives you the wisdom for the mission, and His grace is sufficient even in times of sorrow. Worship does many things, but ultimately it brings us into the presence of the Lord. And it's there where we learn the peace of God. How many have ever come from an altar? You walk out of that altar and you have peace. Anybody? Because you've been in the presence of the Lord, you have peace. Or or maybe you found your purpose. God gave revelation to you, found your purpose, or the plan, or, or His path. Or how many came out with patience? None? I get it. Maybe that ought to be the altar today. God, give us patience. Or maybe you're coming out learning more about yourself. I'm done preaching. I want us to come in to the presence of the Lord. When you come in, you take off your shoes. When you leave, you put them back on. So. So don't worry about taking your shoes off in this altar. But we're going to spend some time worshiping the Lord. Don't worry about taking your shoes off. You understand the symbolic. I want you to come and I want you to be sensitive. I want you to have your ears inclined to hear the voice of the Lord. I want you to bring respect and honor to the Lord. And while you're down here, I want you to take care of anything you might have picked up on the way. Any stains. Any struts. Any stinky things them all. By taking it out of your spirit, remove those shoes. And if you had any self, worship any self dependence. Strip it all and get at the altar. Let's die to ourselves and let's let God teach us how to worship. The altars are open. Sang that song a minute ago, there's nothing worth more. Right? Nothing worth more. Than to be in the presence of the Lord. Who knows what God's gonna say today? Got five minutes, you can come and spend some time with me.